0: We get into the word really quickly. Just want to share. I'm gonna just say these really, really quick. I want to just show you something I'm super, super, super excited about. God's up to something great at our church, and I'm excited that you get to be a part of it. And uh, so we have three things that are kind of important for you to know today. Firstly, is today is our team sign up. And uh, come on, you want to join a team? I don't, I don't uh, know if uh, uh, who of you or uh, haven't been on team yet. But all I know from what I've experienced is that it's a lot of fun. You're around a lot of people who you love. You have fun together. You pray together. So if you say today, Ryan, I'm kind of looking for some community. I want to make some connection. I would encourage you today to sign up for a team. There's all sorts of teams. There's stuff as easy as just greeting to kids ministry, to worship, to sound, to coffee. There's a bunch of stuff to do. And I really want to encourage you, if you haven't been on a team or you're not on a team, come on, join one. We're actually looking at how we can make it even more palatable for for everybody. Uh, But the expectation, I think, is pretty low. And it's exciting that you get to be a part of that. So I encourage you to join the team today uh, secondly we have our group sign up it's gonna be fantastic we're starting our new groups and uh, these are, are something that happen on a weekly basis uh, every every week we study the Bible together we pray together uh, we do life together uh, we, we just the whole idea and heart behind it is that we're just sharing life together they're not centered necessarily necessarily around a topic they're not centered necessarily around an age group they're just centered around church people being together uh, in a place where you can make friends a place you can grow in your walk with God so we're launching two groups to start and we have uh, by the end of the by the end of the year we're hoping we can launch a couple of more but we're just going to start with two so I want to encourage you to go ahead and sign up for one of those today you can go right in the back and I think Julie are you in the room Julie Julie's right here she'll catch you over there uh, and I don't know who's with our team sign up is that somebody else Indiana how is Indiana the little girl right there just pray go pray go there she is. Go ahead and see her. And lastly, and certainly not least, I'm super excited about our new Discover. If you're here today and it's your first time, or maybe you've never done this before, we have a 15-minute... Uh, just a little moment out in the corner there. You'll see Discover. And we have a little uh, appetizer, a little bite for you. Kids can come. It'll take 15 minutes. And we just want to tell you a little bit about who we are, give you a chance to get a little snapshot. And then I want to meet you. My wife wants to meet you. Uh, And so we'll be in there. Shake your hand. Answer any questions you might have. But if you've never done that, or even if you've been a part of the church, you say, gosh, I'd like to know what we're all about. (laughs) Go ahead and go back there and check it out. Amen? Amen. We're going to get in the Word today. A couple of years ago, I went rock climbing with my family. Uh, we were at Southland Leisure Center, and um, I, I'm always the one who belays my kids, who belays my children, and and uh, and uh, I decided this one time I was going to actually do some climbing, and so the wall, how the wall worked, is the wall went straight up, and it goes back, and then it goes up, and so. I was climbing. and Harrison, I can't hear anything in here, buddy. I'd love you to turn me on. Thanks, brother. Doing a good job today, buddy. Um, climbing up that wall, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being belayed, and I'm doing a good job. And then it came to the part where I got to lean back, and I got to grab the rock up here, And then, if I grab that rock, I'm gonna start hanging like this. And so I get up there, and my daughter's yelling, Go, Dad, go! And I'm like, Shut up, Bray. I can't concentrate. What are you saying? Go! Just kidding. I loved your encouragement, and uh, it was fantastic. She's like, Go, Dad, you can do it. The other guys did it. I'm like, Okay, thanks, son. Other dads are better, dad. I'm like, okay. So, anyways, I get up there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to reach back. And I get kind of back on the decline a little bit. And I reach my hand around. I mean, I, John taught me everything he knows. I reached around and I had this like really sexy form like John has. John's like, hey. And I was like there and like I grabbed it. And the moment I put my hand up there and put all my weight on, a pain shot through my back. And the pain shot from beside my, my shoulder blade and it came right around down through my shoulder, arm, all the way to this very finger right here. And look what it did, just like that. But look at that. That's what happened. Just kidding. That didn't happen. But then that'd be amazing if I pulled a nerve and my, my fingernail blew up. <laughs> I'd be there, bam! Ah! So I had intense pain. I came down. Oh, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And they got me down. I was like, oh, it was so brutal. It was so difficult. I had this pain shooting through my arm. And so uh, I, I knew what I needed to do, uh, but I didn't want to do it. Um, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute. But I, so I started like, it was like, couple of days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks where when I got into bed, I would kind of change how I normally slept. I started on my back and then I moved to my right side, moved my left side and then ended up my stomach. And now now I'm having to like just kind of situate myself in the bed so that my arm doesn't hurt. And so I, I like changed how I slept for like weeks. And then, and then when I would like be like walking around, I would kind of like be hurting so I'd have to change how I walk so it didn't look like I was being weird. And, 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 and I had to like kind of start adding more ibuprofen to my diet and And like the pain just continued. And so I I just started changing how I live my life to deal with the pain. But really what I needed to do is I just needed to go to a chiropractor. And I hate chiropractors. If you're here today and you're a chiropractor, I don't hate you, but I hate what you do. Because I've heard some bad stories. I've heard some bad things about chiropractors, and I just didn't grow up that way. And so I had this idea of the chiropractor. I don't want to go to the chiropractor. And the pain continued, and so I made a decision. Instead of going to the chiropractor where he would simply adjust my back, I decided to change how I was living my life to deal with the pain. I decided that I would start walking different and talking different and eating different and taking more medicine and doing all these different things in my life because I didn't want to experience the pain that I knew I would experience by going to the chiropractor. Many of us here today, and I know I in my own life, find that this is sometimes how we feel about church. Sometimes how we feel about our relationship with God. We've got different areas of our life where we know that that thing, that addiction, that habit, that relationship, that way I, uh, the way I see things, the way I think about things, this perspective on life, I know that it's painful, and I know that that unforgiveness is hard, and I know that that bitterness is there, and I know all of these things, and I know that I'm basically changing how I live my life from how I was originally intended to live it, because I don't want to deal with the pain of experiencing when Jesus puts his finger in my life. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I don't want to change that. And so I adjust how I live my life rather than just going and seeing the great physician, the great great, uh, carpenter, he's a carpenter too, or the chiropractor. (laughs) And see, what I did was, is I actually ended up going to the chiropractor. Someone gave me a recommendation uh, and I went to this sports medicine guy And I walked in, and it was like they were playing spa music. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. And, you know, they had essence smelling in the room. I was like, mm, this is sweet. Okay. And the girl walks in. She goes, take your shoes off. And I was like, okay. So I took my shoes off. And I was, I'm an American. I don't like to take my shoes off. I like to keep my shoes on. And then I went in the room, and he says, all right, take your pants and your shirt off. And I'm like, what is happening here? (laughs) What recommendation is this? And I walk in, and he says, take your shoes off, take your pants off, take your shirt off, and I walk in and I'm sitting on this bed thinking this is extremely and terribly uncomfortable. And he says to me, have you ever experienced electrotherapy? I said, well, no. And he says, and he shows me this little suction cup. He goes, it doesn't hurt. And then he puts it on my back and he's like, and I'm like, oh, God, help me! And he's like doing this on my back, on my shoulders. And then finally he pulls out this little thing that looks like you put on your tongue when the doctor wants to see your throat, and he called it his pain stick. It was metal. And he says, this is called the pain stick. And he said, and this is going to hurt. And he says, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to take this pain stick and I'm going to rub this stick down every muscle and every cavity of your back, over your shoulder, and down your arm. And he's took that thing and he started, like, literally the thing's bending. He's going, Arr! he's rubbing it into my back and he's rubbing it down. I mean, he's leaning into it. I'm going, oh, dear Lord, take me now. You know, it's like so painful and it was so difficult. And he went all the way down my muscles with this pain stick and back here and back in my back, back here. Until finally, as I woke up the next morning, I was black and blue from this pain stick, But I had no pain. And in fact, I had never experienced a back and a body the way I felt my body. It was like I woke up and I just got out of the Garden of Eden. I felt like my body had been rejuvenated back to its original condition. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can just do crazy things. Look at me. I was sleeping better. I was, I was walking better now because I didn't walk like this everywhere. I was, I was eating better. I wasn't taking as much ibuprofen. That one visit and that one moment of difficult and pain with the pain stick literally changed how I lived my life. Today we're talking about the purpose of the church. We've talked about how he destroys religion and how the church is founded on a miracle. We talked last week about how the church is not this puffed up, self-exaggerated environment where you put on a mask and pretend to be somebody you're not, but but the the church is a true community. The the purpose is to be a place where you can be you with all of your idiosyncrasies and all of your issues in your life. You just get to be you. And today we're talking about the, the word discipleship. See, discipleship is, a, is, a, is an incredible word because this word has the idea that, that, that we are beginning to journey to become more like Jesus. And the purpose of the church is not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples. And I'm going to show you some verses today, some scriptures that will kind of help you understand what this means to be a disciple or what it means to be discipled or what the purpose of the church is in, in our Sunday gatherings, in our groups, in our team nights, and, and in our pursuit nights, excuse me. All of these environments are ultimately about you being a disciple, a follower, an emulator, an example of what Jesus' life looks like. And so if you come into a church and you leave the same, you're not doing it right. If you come into a Sunday gathering, or you go into a pursuit night, or you go into a group, and something hasn't changed in your life, you're not going about it correctly, because when the Spirit of God is there, there's freedom. The church is alive. The church is vibrant. The church is full of miracles. The church, there's transformation. The church, he changes how you think and how you act and how you walk and how you talk. That's what the church is all about. So when you experience a life-giving church, what happens is, is that your life begins to change and you become more like Christ. Let's look at this verse, Matthew 9. I woke up this week thinking about Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, I want you to know Matthew wrote this book. So he's writing kind of his own personal story of how he became a follower of Jesus. Now, a tax collector was somebody who collected a uh, toll or taxes for different things. And he was a government worker. And so basically he was uh, doing a toll booth for people who wanted to cross the lake people wanted to take a ferry across the lake, uh, Matthew would collect their taxes and often Matthew would upcharge them. So the, 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 the rate was $2, he'd charge them $4. And so here's Matthew sitting at his booth and people hated the tax collectors because he was a Jew taking from Jews. He was taking from his own people. And so Matthew was not a particularly elect individual. And Jesus just walks up to this man. He's sitting at his job. Just imagine one day, You're sitting at your job. You're working on your your design. You're working on the plans. You're working trying to get that radio sold or you're you're, you're selling oil or you're pushing this or you're organizing someone's house or you're helping kids at school and Jesus walks up to you and he says, follow me. That word follow me actually means to become a disciple, to go behind, to watch, to learn, to become like, to cleave, to steadfastly to someone, to conform wholly, fully to the example of, of someone, to conform wholly to someone in their their life and in their death. So the idea here is that Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to come and follow me and do exactly what I do, follow after me, be my follower, be my disciple. And it says that Matthew got up and followed him. He left his pen there, he left his money there, he left his job there, took off his little sign-in card, dropped it on the table. He literally got up and he walked out of the place and he followed Jesus with his whole life. He left everything. Now Luke wrote about this too. Luke wrote about Matthew's conversion as well. And I thought it was interesting. Listen to what Luke says. Luke said, later on, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector with the usual reputation for cheating, now we know the truth. <laughs> Someone else writes about Matthew, oh, this guy's a cheat. He's just sitting at the tax collector's booth. The man's name was Levi or Matthew, and Jesus said to him, "Come and be my uh, be one of my disciples." So Levi, look at this. Levi left everything. Yep. He left everything. He oh okay, I'm in. There's something about that moment when Jesus came to him and said, I want you to be my follower. I want you to follow after me. And so immediately Matthew made a decision. I'm going to leave everything. I'm going to leave my old way of thinking, my own life. I'm going to leave my old old ideas and my old things. And now I am going to follow after you with everything. Not just partially, not just kind of, not just sometimes, not just 10%, not just 28%. I'm going to give everything to follow after you, Jesus, today. And that's what discipleship looks like. Look what happens next. Luke says, Levi held a reception in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests were there. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law complained bitterly to Jesus that the disciples were eating with such notorious sinners. So the religious folks were ticked because Jesus and the disciples and Matthew were having a party. Matthew invited a bunch of his friends from work. They came over, they're probably drinking, eating, having a good old time. And Jesus is sitting there hanging out with them and a religious person comes by and says, oh my gosh, look at Jesus hanging out with those people, drinking and eating. Oh my gosh, it's so terrible. Like he walks up and Jesus looks at them look what he says. He says, Jesus answered them, it is the sick who need a doctor, not those in good health. Look at this, my purpose, everybody say purpose. purpose. My purpose is to invite to beckon, to call sinners. That word means somebody who missed the mark or is wandering in life. My purpose is to beckon and call people who are just missing the mark in life. People who are just wandering aimlessly. People who just don't know where to go next. People who don't have a lot of value or purpose in their life. I have come to call them to turn from their sins. That word is repent, that phrase is repent. And what that means is to turn your mind into a new way of thinking. It means to restore you back to the original place that you were created to live like. So the purpose of the church and the purpose of God's uh, kingdom and the purpose of why Jesus came is so that he would call you to turn from your old way of thinking and your old life and come alive to a new life and experience a new way of thinking. Because look what he says next. Not to spend my time, he goes, I, my purpose was not to spend time with those who think themselves already good enough. I'm not going to spend my time with people who don't realize they need me. I need you to understand this today. Jesus himself said, I won't spend time with people. I don't want to be in a relationship with people who don't realize they need a relationship with me. I love them and I care for them But you got to see it today. That unless you recognize that you need God in your life, that you need God, and to, to change my thinking and to fix these areas of my life and to fix this weird thinking about my past and to release me from my bitterness and unforgiveness and to heal me of these areas of my life where I've been struggling in addiction and I can't seem to break out of it and I'm full of fear and I'm full of anxiety and I'm full of depression. We have to admit the fact that there's nothing I can do in my life to fix this problem. I need God. I need to turn my thinking to God. That is the kind of person that Jesus wants to spend his life with. That's the kind of person that Jesus pours out his revelation and love because they recognize that they are in need of God in their life. He wants to change how you think. And I'm not just talking about people who are outside this room, which is still the case. Today, we're talking about you and me. Being in this place today where we recognize in our lives, my gosh, I cannot fix my marriage. No matter how many dates I take my wife on, This isn't a real story, don't worry. No matter how many dates I take my wife on, no matter how much I try to love her, we just can't seem to get eye to eye. And the reason is, is because we need divine intervention. And guess what? Jesus comes and he brings divine intervention into your marriage. He brings peace and and he brings patience and he brings value and he brings healing and he helps you recognize where you're wrong, where you should have thought this differently and done this and done that. The presence of Jesus in your life, discipleship is when we recognize I am supposed to look like Jesus and the rhetorical question I'm gonna ask you today is does your life look like his? Look what Jesus says, Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your emotions, with all your mind, the way you think, and with all your body. How's your heart? Is it surrendered to Jesus? How's your mind? Is it transformed by his word? How's your soul? Are you finding your identity in him? How's your strength? Are you physically healthy? So Jesus is requiring something of us and and, and he's requiring us to recognize that, my gosh, I just need God. discipleship, Jesus says, the opposite, he says, I I don't want to spend time with people who don't think they need me. The opposite is true. He says, I I wanna engage in a relationship with people who recognize that they need me and their life and that they can't go any further on their own and that they need a relationship with me. I want you to know today that you gotta go to the chiropractor. You can't just sleep like that forever. You can't pop the ibuprofen forever. You can't walk like that forever. Today is a day when you get to spend time with a great physician where he comes and he transforms you. The purpose of the church is to help you understand today that the life of Jesus, it might hurt for a moment, he might deal with that bitterness in your heart for a moment. He might deal with that unforgiveness for a moment. And i got to tell you, it sucks when someone has wronged you and you got to go face to face with them when you know that you did nothing wrong and still seek their reconciliation. It really sucks. It's painful. It hurts. i got bruises. But guess what? After that, I'm a new man. I, it sucks that I've dealt my entire life with an addictive personality. That when I was wired, when God, when, when when I was born to this into this world, my nature is I have an addictive personality, and I didn't set up boundaries for myself when I was little. And my, unfortunately, I wasn't taught what it looks like to set boundaries in certain areas of my life. So I've struggled my entire life to figure out the areas of addiction. And now I got to tell you, as I begin to submit my life to God, it's been painful setting up crazy boundaries in my life. It's been painful being honestly open with my wife at all times. It's been painful not. Be able to do certain things that you get to do. It's been painful laying my life down to Jesus saying, God, will you help me? And guess what? I stand here today saying, I'm a new man. Why? Because I have a relationship with Jesus and I recognize that he wants me to be a disciple and say, God, I need you. Not, I got this figured out. I need you. I'm going to church, but I don't need you, Jesus. I got it all figured out. Guess what? You don't. And the freedom that comes from Jesus starts by you going into the chiropractor, getting that that, that that pain stick out a little bit, and he starts to work you. And you say, oh God, I don't want you to touch the fact that my father hurt me when I was little. Don't you go there, God. But, but, but daughter, I gotta tell you, if I can just rub this, but my presence and my word and my spirit just right there in that area of your life, I wanna promise you that I'm gonna set you free. I know, but it hurts, God. It hurts when you talk about what he did to me. I don't wanna forgive him. He doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Well, guess what? That's not up to you. That's up to me because I died on the cross for his sins and you need to stop taking that on your life. I'm going to take this stick and I'm just going to get my word right in your life. And when you find is, oh, it hurts God. And the next day, I'm free to be the person I've always wanted to be. My dad no longer has control over my life. Only Jesus does. And see, when the Lord begins to work in your life and discipleship, it hurts like heaven. <laughs> It hurts a lot. It hurts like H-E double hockey stick. (laughs) It hurts. Look what it says in John 15: I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So listen, Jesus is talking about Himself here. The Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So He cuts and He prunes. So when I started this journey, for me, it was big stuff. Holy Spirit put his finger on big stuff, like i referred to, addiction or areas of mistake in my life, big stuff that I wasn't willing to let go of. And then over time, as I began to get grace there, he began to do the next thing, like my motives. When I first started in ministry, I would text as many people as I could think of in, in the church, because and, and I, I thought I was serving them, but in reality, I was just doing it because I was insecure. And my motive was I wanted them to affirm me instead of finding my affirmation in Jesus. So now when you get a text from me, it's sincere. <laughs> Before it was like, oh, I just needed to be needed. I need someone to love me. I need someone to affirm me. Well, now I find that in Jesus. Yeah. And so he began to, oh, Ryan, why are you sending that text? Jesus, it's a good text. There's nothing wrong with the text. How are you doing? I love you. Yes, but Ryan, you're sending the text for you and for your own wrong motives. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it to serve yourself. Oh my gosh. He starts to touch your area, to pick up garbage along the road or down, down to the little tiny things like, oh man, I said this and I didn't mean it. And now you start seeking forgiveness and reconciliation with anyone you think you may have offended because now you're just so open to experiencing what happens when you open your life up to God and his discipleship in your life. You realize, oh my gosh, I'm starting to live a life that I was originally created to live. And gosh darn it, I ain't perfect. As you know, but you begin to experience the freedom of God in your life. And over time, if you let him have the big stuff, he'll start putting his finger on the little stuff. And you're like, oh yeah, I know that if I can respond to this right away, I know the result is I'm gonna have a good old time. I'm gonna have a blessed life. God's gonna, my marriage is gonna get better. My finances are gonna get better. Things are gonna get better if I just let him in to come and take that thing His word and cut and prune in my life. See, if you just come to church and you just hear the message and you just go away and you just come to church and you just hear the message and you just go away, I want you to know, and I'm going to say it, I'm probably going to get an email, I love you, but you're actually not a disciple. A disciple of Jesus Christ is, okay, God, I hate this, but I accept the fact that this area of my life is keeping me from moving forward and I need you to come and put your finger in my heart and my life and begin to cut and prune where you need to cut and prune so that I can be the man of God you've called me to be and be the husband you call me to be and the dad you call me to be and the pastor you call me to be. I have to be yielded as a disciple to whatever Jesus wants so that I can be more like Jesus. Ephesians uh, 4.12 says this. Why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? He's talking about the actual leaders in the church. He's talking about different offices, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He's talking about these different offices of ministry. And generally these offices of ministry would be like, I would have an office of ministry in this church and different individuals who come along who have a gifting. And so he's talking about the gifts of the body in the church. He says, what's the point of the church? What's the point of this leadership? What's the point of having that structure? What's the point of being together on Sunday? What's the point of having Pursuit What is the point? And look what it says. It is that God's people will be equipped. Now that's a medical word. That word, that word equipped actually is a medical word, ironically, for repairing what is broken, for getting an adjustment. It's actually the, the, the actual Greek word for the, the word used for chiropractor, The basic idea is that when you Have something that's out of order. When you are equipped, the Bible says Paul taught Timothy that when you teach the word, he said you need to correct, rebuke, and encourage. So he said that when you're correcting and rebuking, make sure there's encouragement. But remember, the purpose of the preaching of the word and the purpose of the gathering of of saints together, the gathering of followers of Jesus together, is is that we would be in an environment where with things that are out of sorts in our life, we would be equipped, we would be mended, we would be restored, we'd be brought back to our original thinking our change our minds would change our hearts would change our souls would change our bodies would change we'd see healing in our physical bodies healing in our minds healing in our emotions healing in our hearts and so when we're in the presence of God and we're engaged together and we're studying the word in our groups together every every Monday night you're together studying the word of God the goal is that you'd be equipped so that you can be more like Jesus and experience spiritual freedom Experience freedom in your marriage, freedom in your finances, freedom in your behaviors, freedom in how you think. I want to tell you today, I'm on the other side of the journey. I'm not perfect, trust me, but in my life, I realize on the other side of the journey, it's much better on this side than it is on the bound up side. The bound up side, it feels good as a victim for a while, but then you realize that there's so much more that God has for my lives. And when I get through it and I go through the pain and I go through the sacrifice and I go through the laying down and the Lord cuts and the Lord prunes and I'm being equipped and I'm being adjusted and I'm being transformed and I'm being made new, I find that that is where the joy and the peace and the love comes from. It doesn't come from just going to church or just reading your Bible or just praying. Those are all good spiritual practices. It comes from you giving permission for the Holy Spirit to put his finger in your life and say, that relationship is not healthy for you and you need to get out of it immediately. Abort, abort, pull the ripcord. Because that's the very thing holding you back from experiencing everything God ever wanted for you. That way of thinking is not healthy. That bitterness, that anger, that frustration, that unforgiveness, that is the very thing keeping you back from experiencing everything God wants for you. And Jesus says, let it go and let me heal you and you'll have freedom in your life. The purpose is to be equipped. Now, back in uh, in ancient days, pottery was a was a very big deal. They make a lot of pots and sell them in the marketplace. And there was this, this process by which, if a a, a a potter, thank you, a potter would make this 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 sculpture, this this pot, and then it would crack. What they would do is they would take wax and they would fill the cracks in with wax. They would smooth out the wax, and then they would paint it the same color, and they would take it to the market like it was genuine, and just to get top dollar for the cracked pot. So what people would do, and this is called uh, without wax, is this this authenticity, what would happen was is that a person coming into the market would go and find these these pots or these, these clay pots, and they would lift them up to the sunlight And the sunlight would reveal the cracks. And that was how they knew whether or not the clay pot was genuinely what it said that it was. So if you're here today and say, Ryan, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to live a life where you lift your life up to the light in the ministry of Jesus so that he can reveal the areas where you're just masking The areas where you're facading, the areas where you're pretending that everything's okay. You've got that addiction, but no one knows, and you have a good few days, and then you fall off the wagon, but nobody knows. You've got to lift it up, and the Holy Spirit's going to say, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom. This isn't healthy for you. This isn't good. You all got that relationship. Oh, this relationship. We're good. We're awesome. And you lift it up to the light, and Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. There's a crack there. Come on, let's fix that. And you know what Jesus likes to do is he actually takes this clay pot and he recognizes that it's not genuine. And Jesus, listen, Jesus is the one in the market who goes and buys the pot. He sees that it's got a crack in it. He sees that it's not genuine. He sees that something's not right. He purchases the pot for full price as they ask. He takes it home, he sets it on his potter wheel, and he smashes it. And he heats it up, and he gets it nice and moist once again. And he creates a clay and he puts it on the potter's wheel and he begins working it again to make it fit exactly how he wants it to fit. And he puts it on this potter wheel. And he says to you today, can I not do this same thing in your life? In fact, we find this very, very thing in Jeremiah chapter 18. Look what he says. So I went down to the potter's shop and found him making something on his wheel. And as I watched, the clay vessel in his hands became flawed and unusable you might be here today and say ryan i am flawed and unusable well congratulations you are now given permission to be in the presence of the potter he likes this he recognized that the pot wasn't trying to cover up the flaw and the unusability it was right there in front of you god i got a problem my marriage is a father of shorts. I, I got behavior problems. I got addiction problems. I got thinking problems. I got forgiveness problems. I got bitterness problems. Right up in front of you, I'm flawed and I'm unusable. And Jesus says, oh, that's perfect. So look what the verse says. So the potter started again with the same clay. What kind of clay? The same clay. He didn't get better clay. Didn't get new clay. Didn't try to go figure something. He took that same clay. He formed it again. And look what the verse says. He crushed and squeezed and shaped it into another vessel that was to be to his liking. And as we end our time today, this is what I wanna end with, this verse. In that moment, Jeremiah heard again God's words for his rebellious people. O church, O people of Israel, O followers of God, Can I not do the same to you as this potter has done? You are like the clay in my hands. I will mold you as I see fit. You're here today, and I know you are because I'm with you. My life just doesn't add up sometimes. And you think that your life is disqualified. And you're here today, and you're being sold in the market, and you've been pretending to be something that you're not. I want to encourage you to stop it. Stop pretending to be something you're not and admit the fact that that's who you are. That's exactly what Jesus wants. Up one seven, look, it is a broken spirit. You want remorse and penitence, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you don't ignore. Look at this, Matthew Matthew 5.3, blessed are the spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. How about this one? Finally, he said to me, My grace is enough to cover and sustain you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So, so ask me about my thorn. Inquire about my weakness. And I will gladly go on and on because I would rather stake my claim in these and have the power of the anointed one at home within me. <laughs> So, the purpose of the church is to create an atmosphere where you can be massaged, you can be encouraged, you can be challenged, you can be pushed in the presence of God. We're singing, Holy, Holy, He's speaking to you about your marriage. He's speaking to you about your walk with God. He's speaking to you about your finances. He says, Listen, you're spending too much money there. You need to get out of debt here. We need to give to the church in this way. Or maybe He's talking to you about your life and your addictions, the areas of habit you've had, or the ways of thinking. Listen, when the Holy Spirit does that to you, it's not because He hates you, it's because He loves you so stinking much. And He's trying to purchase you from the marketplace and say, Let me mold you, let me change you into the person that I want you to be so you can experience tangible, real freedom in your life. Come on, would you bow your heads this morning and stand to your feet and bow bow your heads if you could. Come on, I'm going to ask two questions. I do this every week. I'm going to make them really clear today. Every eye closed. Come on, you're here today and you're cracked. You're broken and you've been hiding it. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian and you're a follower of God, but you haven't been a disciple. You say, Ryan, I, I just want you to join with me in prayer today that, that I'm going to start opening my life up and allowing the Holy Spirit to come and prune and cut where he needs to cut and, cut and prune. Come on, for that first group of people you're here today, you say, Ryan, that spoke to me today. And I just want you to say a prayer for me as I end our time today. Come on, if that's you today, on the count of three, I want you to put your hand in the air. Come on, real high. You acknowledge you need God. And I want to go on that journey today. You're a Christian already, and you'd like prayer today for what we talked about. On the count of three, one two, three. Come on, there you go. Come on, like ten hands across the room. Come on, across the room. Come on, Father, I pray for these people right now, Lord. This is my first prayer. Lord, I pray for for love and joy, not guilt and shame. You are a loving, faithful God and then when we come to you with open arms and say, God, I'm broken and I need you. Lord, you start to laugh in the heavenlies and say, yes, that's exactly what I wanted from you. I'm so excited to see what is going to come of your surrender. And God, we pray for these people, God, the many hands that were lifted in this place today. and I pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage and the strength to make the confessions to their spouse or to their friend or to their parents where they need to confess. Where there's repentance, let there be repentance. But I pray for freedom. I pray for freedom in their life. I pray for freedom in their heart. I pray for freedom in their mind. I pray for freedom, oh God, that you would bring transformation in their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, one last question. Every eye closed, you're here today, and you say, Ryan, I do not know Jesus. I've never given my life to him. I've never never become a disciple. And I would like to do that today. I don't know God, but I'd like to start a journey. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your, as, your, as, as your personal Lord and Savior in a relationship. Come on, every eye closed in this place. That's you today and you'd like to give your life to Christ. I want to count to three and you just put your hand in the air. Come on, one, two, three. Come on, anyone in the room today? Anyone want to give their life to Jesus and start a journey with Him? All right, church, repeat after me, okay? Dear Lord Jesus, come on, real loud. Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I, give I give my life to you. I need you. And I want to start a journey with you today. Forgive every area of my life where I've fallen short. I want to start fresh today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, today's our first discoverer. If you'd like to do that, it's right in the back get a chance even if you've been here for a while go check it out hang out with him for a minute thank you for listening to our love city church podcast visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca we pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with jesus